You've heard the phrase, it's all about the money. That, unfortunately, too often is true. Money does strange things to people and even stranger things to governments. He who controls the money generally controls the people. Recently, the United States government and most Western nations have been waging an economic war on Russia, cutting them off from what is colloquially called the almighty dollar. This was in response to the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. Do a quick Google search with the term economic warfare, then click the news tab and see the results. When I looked last night, I saw 371,000 articles from just the past few weeks discussing economic warfare in one form or fashion. This is the new crisis. It's also a new and direct threat to your liberty. Remember, at one point, we were all told we're in this together regarding the spread of uh, COVID and flattening the curve. Then all of a sudden, we're divided. Our governments weaponized the pandemic and targeted some of us who refused to comply. Now, we're all in this together to stop Russian aggression against the Ukraine. But before you know it, the very economic warfare weapons targeting Russia could be aimed at you. Join me in the Economic War Room, where we'll flesh out a constitutional alternative to government monetary tyranny. This may be the biggest idea you've ever heard of, hidden in the Constitution for our, by our founders for such a time as this. It may be how we escape tyranny and pass liberty to future generations. You will not want to miss this important episode. Now take a look at these. These are some gold coins. Here's gold coin. Here's some silver coins. Here's an American silver eagle. Okay, there's more silver, I admit, than there is gold based on my budget. But did you know, according to the Constitution, Article 1, Section 10, these would be the only things that a state could make legal tender? Let me read the relevant text. And no, this is not a little red book. This is my pocket constitution. Here we are, Article 1, Section 10. It says, uh, no state shall coin money, emit bills of credit, make anything but gold and silver coins a legal a tender in payment of debts. Nothing but gold and silver coins is legal tender. How did we get from that in the constitution to this? Yeah, paper money. Well, actually, the answer is found just a little bit earlier in Article 8, and let me read that from page 20, where it says about the federal government. So a state can only make gold and silver uh, coin legal tender. Federal government can borrow money on the credit of the United States. Boy, I, I may, maybe wish they didn't put that one in there. Uh, here it is. To coin money, regulate the value thereof and a foreign coin and fix the standard of weights and measures. That's how we got us a Federal Reserve, which was passed in 1913, and that's how they printed this note, also known as a $100 bill. And if you look on it, it's got the signature of the Secretary of the Treasury and the Treasury of the United States, and here's the key phrase. It says, $100, the United States of America, this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. That's how we got from the Constitution and gold and silver coin to paper money. So which is better money? Are the coins better or is the paper money better? Well, here's some of the key issues. Which is more convenient? Well, this is a little bit more convenient. Which preserves purchasing power better? I'd have to say the gold and silver coins. In fact, some of these silver one-ounce coins I bought for $5, right? 
Which are more acceptable? Well, both are pretty acceptable in the United States today. Which are more durable? I guess the coins are more durable. Uh, which are more easily divided, divisibility? In other words, can I take this gold, uh, half ounce gold coin, can I take it into a coffee shop and buy a cup of coffee? Well, not, not really. Historically, money has four primary functions. It's a store of value, a unit of account, a means of exchange, and a standard of deferred payment, meaning you can loan it out and get paid back later in the same, in the same form. Money is different all over the world. And I've got money from all over the world here. Here, here are, believe it or not, some Russian rubles and Canadian dollars. And here's Zimbabwe, a $100 trillion bill. And here, here's some British money and Egyptian money, Royal Bank of Scotland, Bahama $3 bill, uh, 10 pounds from, from Egypt. You know, I have money from all over the world. The most popular money in all the world has been the U.S. dollar. It's the reserve currency. It's where we get the phrase, sound as a dollar. And it used to be backed by gold and silver, but Richard Nixon closed the gold window in 1971. Now, other forms of money based on the dollar can include checking accounts, electronic transfer, uh, credit cards, gift cards, like here's a Visa gift card, here's a Chick-fil-A gift card, uh, and Apple Pay. Different ways you can use the dollar to pay for things. And all of these work pretty well. If you go to a foreign country, though, you're going to have to use their currency or you'll have to use a debit card or, or a credit card that works in their currency. Um, sometimes it doesn't work all that well, like the Zimbabwe dollar. You know, they were producing $100 trillion bills, which is crazy. And I've got a German mark here, ein million mark in, in the 1920s. Uh, this is 1923, uh, a million marks because their currency collapsed. Uh, U.S. dollars, though, they work pretty well most of my life, except for the inflation, you know, which is kind of getting crazy right now. In fact, inflation is the worst I've felt in 40 years, which is pretty much my whole adult life. And with $30 trillion in federal debt and crazy government spending, it may get worse before it gets better. That's problem number one. Problem number two is the federal government has learned how to weaponize money. Uh, What's worse is I'm the guy who taught them. I wrote Economic Warfare Risks and Responses for the Pentagon back in 2008, 2009. Our enemies are getting good at economic warfare. They're taking aim at the U.S. dollar right now. We've laid sanctions. They look for alternatives. Russia and China have been building parallel systems. They want to displace the dollar, make it worthless around the world. Can they do it? I'm not sure, but they're certainly going to try. We're seeing foreign economic warfare, and it's a battle royale. Now, problem number three we'll talk about is that our government has also learned how to use economic warfare to control the people. For example, banks can close customer accounts if they're doing something the government doesn't like, like they've done it to gun sellers and medical marijuana shops. They called it Operation Choke Point. There are limits on how much money you can deposit or take out in a day. And Trudeau in Canada basically said they'll cut off anybody who goes against the government. That's a part of their emergency standards. They said they could freeze your bank accounts. We all know what happened with COVID. They shut down social media accounts and so forth. The good news, the founders have given us a solution that will work, or at least if we do a tech upgrade on it before it's too late. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to learn about the solution and how you can help to make it happen. The founders in the Constitution offered two types of money, federal money, which was created by Congress, but they also allowed for state money as long as it was gold and silver coin. That's really not a thing these days. The states don't issue that, but it's in the Constitution. 
ultimately the federal government created the Federal Reserve. And we've had all sorts of innovation to money since then. State currency was limited to gold and silver coins because of the differing values of paper money from one state to another. I've got all this foreign money. Can you imagine if there were 50 different sets of, of money, one for every state? The founders wanted to avoid that sort of mess. It, it should be noted the founders actually didn't even grant the federal government the ability to print paper money either. Uh, they rejected a clause that would have expressly granted that power, but they also rejected a clause that would have expressly denied the power to print paper money. So let me quote from Money and the Constitution. It says, although the Constitution does not state that the federal government has the power to print paper currency, the Supreme Court in McCulloch versus Maryland, 1819, ruled unanimously that the Second Bank of the United States and the banknotes it issued on behalf of the federal government were constitutional. So where does that leave the state money idea? Well, reading further, same source. If the federal government only is permitted to issue money, coin, or paper, then how could state banks issue money? State banks did not coin money, nor did they print any official national currency. However, state banks could print bills of credit in exchange for specie deposits, specie meaning metal. These notes would bear the issue's bank name and entitle the bearer to the note's face value in gold or silver upon presentation to the bank. State bank notes were a form of representative money. They were not gold or silver, but they represented it. The notes were more convenient for conducting large transactions than their specie counterparts. And more importantly, for the extension of credit, they could be produced easily, whereas gold and silver stock in the nation was relatively small and the, for the most part declining. The Supreme Court ruled in 1837 in Briscoe versus Bank of Kentucky that state banks and the notes they issued were also constitutional. Now that may seem arcane, but it is in fact very relevant to solving the biggest economic warfare risks we face today. Can this tiny phrase in the U.S. Constitution solve modern economic warfare? Well, let's look at the three problems we mentioned so far. One, problem number one is inflation. Two, Problem number two, foreign economic warfare, where China and Russia want to destroy the dollar, destroy our economy, and we have $30 trillion of debt that's helping them do it. And problem number three, the domestic economic warfare, where the government could try to debank any citizen that the government doesn't like using emergency powers. So here's our plan. We're going to put two good ideas together and see if we can make something truly great. We know, number one, that states can make gold and silver coin to be legal tender in their state. That's clear from Article 1, Section 10. Now, it's not very convenient. It's got some problems. It's a good store of value, but it's not a good unit of account. You can't shave off a few uh, uh, flakes to pay for your coffee. It's not a good means of exchange. It's not precise as a standard of deferred payment. It's really hard to get down because, you, you know, here's a 10th ounce uh, gold coin right there. And it's... It, it really is a problem. But you know what's good for those? Cryptocurrency. A state could make Bitcoin legal tender, but that has two huge problems. First, Bitcoin's not a stable store of value. Prices have been all over the place, you know, down to a penny uh, to as high as $60,000 a coin and then back down to $40,000. It bounces around too much. Not a stable store of value. But even worse, it's not allowed under the Constitution as legal tender. You, you can't make it. That means every transaction you, ta you take with Bitcoin is taxed. It's taxable. 
But what if the state combined the convenience of Bitcoin with the constitutional provision of gold and silver coins? That would be revolutionary. Now remember, under the Supreme Court's 1837 ruling in Briscoe versus the Bank of Kentucky, states can issue representative money as long as it's fully backed by gold and silver coins. Thus, a gold-backed, state-issued cryptocurrency should be totally legal. People could use gold and silver-backed cryptocurrency as money without the state, but again, it would be taxable if the gold changed value relative to paper money. And that's precisely why we like gold, because gold increases in value relative to paper. In 1970, the price of gold in America was artificially held at $35 an ounce. Recently, it's been around $2,000 an ounce. Has its value really risen that much? Well, maybe it's just that the value of our paper dollar has gone down that much. Now, I want to read from Invest Investopedia. It says, Physical holdings in precious metals such as gold, silver, platinum, palladium, and titanium are considered by the IRS to be capital assets specifically classified as collectibles. Holding in metals, regardless of their form, such as bullion coins, bullion bars, rare coinage, or ingots, are subject to capital gains tax. That would apply to gold-backed crypto as well. But if these gold and silver crypto coins were used as a state-based legal tender, hey, you don't pay capital gains if your paper money uh, goes up or down in value. It doesn't, it doesn't have a taxable implication. Gas prices ever go down again, you know, you can buy more with your paper money. If, and you don't get a capital loss when gas prices go up. That's because paper money is legal tender. The good news, a state-issued cryptocurrency would also be legal tender under the Constitution as long as it's 100% backed by gold and silver. That solves problem number one and potentially gives you an escape hatch in the case of problem number two. If they crater the dollar, you could have a gold-backed currency that you could move into, 100% supported by the state, protected from foreign attack. Now, as for problem number three, if we built a state-based gold and silver-backed cryptocurrency, we could build in protections for people, much like a Bill of Rights. Under the Constitution, you should not be deprived of property without due process. Yeah, the federal government once confiscated all public holdings of gold under FDR, but I'm not sure that they'd have the power if the gold were held as legal tender by a sovereign state. This is what is so crucial. If we understand that Texas, for example, and here's an example, a representation, could produce a gold coin and they could make issue it in the form of a digital currency and you could use it with a debit card, think about how that could solve all three problems that we've encountered with economic warfare. Inflation, foreign attacks on our currency, and the risk of our foreign government trying to control our money to control us. We're gonna to need to take another break. When we come back, we'll dive into exactly how this might work and talk about what we're doing to get it launched. We've been discussing the two forms of economic warfare and how to stop them. The foreign form is an attempt to destroy the value of the American dollar. Russia and China know how indebted we are and they wanna make the dollar just another worthless currency. It's backed only by the full faith and credit of the United States, and they're working hard to undermine that. And inflation is helping make their case. What would you do if the dollar suddenly lost half its value? Your money would be worth less and could eventually become worthless. But if we had a state-based, gold-backed cryptocurrency, you'd have a safe haven. 
Would it be great to be able to own gold and silver without having to pay capital gains tax on it? This could be a means of escape for your money. Here's how it would work. A state, any state, Texas, Florida, Oklahoma, New Jersey, they could let you deposit with them money that they could either buy gold and silver with, or you could just take gold and silver to them, and they keep it on deposit and issue coins. And not, not physical coins, but crypto coins. That would represent the gold and silver that they held on your behalf. And they'd be digital, backed up with complete records. You could spend the money just as you would with a debit card. All is electronic, but it would likely keep its value even during periods of inflation or currency tax, just like gold and silver have done for thousands of years. If you want to buy a burger, you just take your card, you'd swipe the card, and money would come out of your account and give it to the restaurant. They could keep it in gold and silver if they wanted, or they could cash it out and get paper money if they wanted. It'd be their choice. Is this even possible? Let me share. The process was started a decade ago by my state representative in Texas, Giovanni Cabriglione. In 2012, he was running for the state house, knocked on my door, and I said, here's an idea. And guess what? He already had the idea, and he wanted to pursue it. In 2015, he finally got the Texas Bullion Depository passed. And you can now deposit your gold and silver with the state of Texas. This is the first step in building what we call a digital Texan. And we want to introduce legislation in the very next session to finish the job. That means fairly soon, Texas residents may be able to transact business using a brand new state-based gold and silver-backed cryptocurrency. Let's call it the digital Texan. It'll be as convenient as a debit card, and it should be protected from inflation and taxation. But what if you don't live here in Texas? Number one, maybe you should move here. We've had a lot of people moving in. We love good conservative Americans that believe in our future. But if you can't move to our great state, you should be able to follow our lead. We've had opening conversations with Alaska, Oklahoma, and Florida. Any American state could create their own digital coin. And we could make those digital coins interchangeable. So Texas would let you use your um, Oklahoma coin here and vice versa. You know, kind of like we do with toll tags when you drive on roads and, and they just take it out of your account and they pay the different state. Listen, there's an old Wall Street saying that money goes where it's treated best. To me, that means that as long as competition is allowed, people will use whatever works best. And in the case of state-based digital currencies, I believe they'll all have to stay competitive, which means you'll benefit. In Texas, I'm pushing for a digital currency bill of rights that would protect you from an intrusive government. The state should promise to not take away your money without due process and a court order. In addition, it should be none of the state's business to control your spending not cutting you off if you want to buy a large soda instead of a small one. That, that sounds crazy, but remember, New York Mayor Bloomberg tried that one, tried to make it illegal to buy a big soda. That's the kind of nanny state control governments want over you, and they're going to use your money to do it. And there's no trying to control where and how you would spend your money. If we have a Bill of Rights, we're going to say, no, no, no. That's important because the Federal Reserve wants to issue a digital dollar, and they've already mentioned how much they would control it and how much control that would give over your life. And you need to know President Biden issued an executive order on March 9th to make this happen. Let me read from the current issue of Wired magazine. It's titled, How a New Digital Dollar 
could shake the U.S. financial system. The Biden administration is looking into government-issued digital currency. The implications would be profound. Here's a quote from his, um, from his uh, release, his executive order. It says, my administration places the highest urgency on research and development efforts into the potential design and deployment options of a United States CBDC, central bank digital currency. The executive order said, these efforts should include assessments of possible benefits and risks for consumers, investors, and businesses, financial stability and systemic risk, the payment systems, national security, the ability to exercise human rights, Rights, financial inclusion and equity, the actions required to launch a United States CBDC if doing so is deemed to be in the national interest. Listen very carefully what he said. He used the code words, systemic risk, human rights, inclusion, equity. This means that the digital dollar will be weaponized to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion, which are really leftist concepts. Let me continue quoting from Wired. They said digital currency issued by a central bank can be used as a tool for government surveillance of citizens and control over their financial transactions. This has been concerned with China's digital currency, which is in the early stages of rollout. As Akram Karam, an expert on China at the National Endowment for Democracy, wrote last year, the digital yuan, the CCP, will have direct control over and access to the financial lives of individuals without the need to strong-arm intermediary financial entities. In a digital yuan-consumed society, the government easily could suspend the digital wallets of dis- dissidents and human rights activists, for example. The biggest difference between a digital dollar and a digital yuan and our proposed digital Texan is that the Texan backed by gold and silver, would also guarantee privacy protections. That would make it more attractive, and the digital dollar would have to shape up or get left behind. That's why this is so urgent. We have to get the digital Texan on the playing field right now, or the digital dollar will overrun us. The good news is that the process has begun. We're working with legislators now to get the bill going, and we need your help to promote it. Make your voice heard. Go to economicwarroom.com forward slash money to learn about signing a petition to get this launched. If you need help with this, find a good financial advisor, and we can help you with that as well. We're training financial advisors online in an eight-week intensive course to get them up to speed to help people just like you. To learn more, nominate your financial advisor. You can do that by going to economicwarroom.com forward slash advisor. We're building a group of incredible people who want to help their clients protect their money in cases of foreign attack or inflation or look for good investments to take advantage of some of the trends that are happening. We're going to have a summit on the digital Texan. We're going to train advisors. You can learn all about this. And we're going to talk about all this. You what you need to do. The easiest thing, I'll give you another website, but really what you need to do, go to economicwarroom.com and sign up for our free economic battle plan. That link, economicwarroom.com, is really the only link you'll need. Because when you go there, you sign up for the battle plan, we'll send you an email every week that'll keep you updated, one email a week, and you'll get access to all our old battle plans, all our old shows, And you'll be on the list to be informed when we're making progress on these things. And by the way, you do need a financial advisor. This economic climate is unlike anything I've ever seen. I've been in the investment game for 40 years. 
everybody needs help. That's why we're banding together the National Security Investment Consultant Institute, NSIC, and we're going to help our clients together weather these economic difficulties, find solutions, and save America, protecting your money. Remember, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room. Thank you.